Welcome, my friends. I want to share a story with you today of something that happened to me recently. I like to reflect on the things that happen in my life and that are a little bit out of the ordinary. I look for the learning point, some form of takeaway. I try to assign meaning to whatever happened, however strange it may have been. Instead of complaining about the event or stressing out over it, I try to sort it out in my brain. And this one certainly provided material enough to complain and to stress, and maybe I did a little bit of both. But let me talk about it. You see, I have been eyeing a new car for a while now. There are two reasons for this. One, my car, my current car, is getting old and the repairs are adding up. For a long time, I didn't have any issues with my car, but over the last year or so, things have started to break. And two, my lifestyle has changed. On the weekends, I am rarely home anymore. In the summer, I'm in the mountains or by the beach. In the winter, again, I'm in the mountains skiing. And the places I go to require a serious car. What's a serious car? A car that can handle dirt roads, mud, big holes, rocks, and that can accommodate room to sleep in. My current car cannot offer either. Climbing areas are not always accessible by a paved road. And the further away we have to park, the longer the hike in and the more time is lost hiking versus climbing. And at the end of a long drive or a day climbing, the last thing we want to do is find a place to set up a tent and go through the effort of setting up one and then tearing it back down in the morning. A car can be converted to a bed in less than five minutes. Move all the stuff out or to the front seats. Fold the back seats down and spread out your sleeping gear, brush your teeth and go to bed. We got it down. Yet... I had decided that my car can still last through this year and that I would look in spring of next year, mostly due to financial reasons. A couple of weeks ago, my check engine light came on. And when I had it checked out, I was faced with yet another very expensive repair. So I started looking for my serious car, just out of curiosity. My local dealer here in Oakland had the serious car in the color I liked so I stopped by one evening after work. The car happened to be in another lot, which can happen when you go to a car dealer that's in the middle of a city. The lots are not that big to hold all the cars that they have. First, the friendly young man I was talking to said he would go get it. He disappeared for 30 minutes. I was trying to be patient, and if you know me, you know this is hard for me. But heck, a serious car requires a professional approach. But then he came back and he still didn't have my car. So he invited me to go with him to the lot. So we drove there. Car lots don't seem to be managed by an inventory system by location. So we actually had to search for the car. We finally found it, covered in dust. Yes, my serious car had been sitting on that lot for six months. My car salesman told me that people in Oakland prefer less serious cars... Understandable, traffic is crazy, parking is limited, and gas is expensive. Not too long ago, I considered a much smaller car for those exact reasons. I'm not really into big and serious cars. I think they waste too much gas and take up too much space. For impatient people like me, smaller and faster cars are much better. But I have a valid need. 
The car will be used for the purpose it's intended, to get me places others cannot go to, and to serve as a tent or a hotel room. A serious car for serious adventures. I looked at the car, but I couldn't drive it. The battery was dead from standing too long. Mr. Car Salesman promised to have the car ready the next morning, washed and clean and ready to be taken for a spin. And that is all I wanted, to drive the serious car that I had never driven before. So we set up an appointment, first thing. The earliest he could do was 9 a.m., and I drove up right at 9 a.m. As you know, punctuality is not my strength, but a serious car requires things to be taken seriously. Well, apparently I was the only one taking anything seriously, because as I pulled up, I saw my young kid car salesman hop into a car to drive off, most likely to go get my car out of the lot. So there I sat, had to wait another 30 minutes for him. Finally, a dusty, serious car pulled up, and I got in. Problem was, there was no gas, so we had to stop at the gas station, where, in order to pump gas, I turned the car off. Next problem, the car didn't turn back on. It had to be jumped again, this time by the car repair shop that was next to the gas station. And then finally, an hour or so later, I drove the car. Of course, I liked it. And then the bad part really started. The part that most people don't like about buying a car. The part that earned car salespeople their bad reputation. And that's the negotiation. I'm not a good negotiator, I admit that. But I'm pretty clear on what is important to me. And I can also tell when someone is making an effort to get me what I want. The thing I don't like is pressure. I studied marketing, so I know the tactic of now or never. But I don't like it. Look through your emails any given day and you know what I mean. 24 hours left for these deals. This is my last email, Janine. Last chance, the doors are closing. I get emails with these subject lines every day. And not just from regular brands, but from reputable people that make millions. Coaches, gurus, leaders in the industry that don't really need to send emails like those. And when the car sales manager told me that the offer on my trade-in was only valid this moment and that as soon as I walked out, the offer was gone, I was done. Really? This to me was a clear sign that this was about the sale of a car and not about building a relationship with me as a customer. Serious cars have serious prices. I'm not here to buy a pair of jeans. So I don't deserve a little bit more attention? We weren't even sitting down. We stood there in the showroom, people all around us. I was done. I wanted that car, but not like this. I mean, all throughout this process, they didn't really care. The car wasn't washed. It wasn't ready to be shown when promised. It had to be jumped. Mr. Young sales dude, he was nice. He actually tried to connect with me. We chatted about Germany. But when his manager got involved for the negotiation... I wasn't happy. I walked away. I felt disrespected as a customer. And ever since, I have been thinking about this incident. And here are a few teaching moments for all of us. Maybe you are considering buying a car or something of value. And if you are selling any type of product or service, you can also learn what not to do. 
whether we are a consumer or a business person selling something, we need to prepare. And I learned this the hard way. So here are my takeaways from this experience. One, inform yourself about the process. I did plenty of research on the serious car, but I didn't do any research on the process of buying a car. My last car purchase is many years ago and was much more pleasant. But even if you think you know the process, when you are buying something serious, do the research so you know what to expect. The tactics of salespeople are easily found in a Google search. I could have saved myself time had I been better informed about them. Next, with any serious purchase, beware of your feelings. The process starts in the brain with an interest in something. That then takes us to a logical analysis of the situation. This included the research I already mentioned that helps you make a better decision. And then comes the actual evaluation of the product, or as in my case, a test drive of the car. But once we move from the data to the actual product, feelings get involved. Once you touch it, feel it, taste it, you are more invested. And now it becomes harder to resist. What was just a consideration before is now a desire, a want. Know that the negotiation that follows is inevitable. Driving the car was my starting point. It should be your last step. After you did all your research and you have your ducks in a row, because very little depends on driving, you either like it or you don't. But be aware, once you set foot in a dealership, they will not let you walk out as easily as you walked in. They want that sale. In fact, just earlier, half an hour ago, Mr. Young, car salesman, still texts me. This is the second Friday in a row that he texts me if I want to come in and test the car. They want that sale. So if you really want to just drive the car, find someone who has that car that you like and ask them if you can take it for a 10-minute spin. That's what I would do next time. There's actually someone in my office building who has that car. I could have easily asked this person if we could go on a ride together during lunch. Know that the negotiations become harder when you're emotionally vested in a product or service. And then prepare for that with the next step. And that step is called leverage. I was reminded of the bars that I used to frequent in my younger days. These were hip places, packed, and there was always this chase for the bartender's attention. And these guys knew it. They played with it. It stroked their ego. They had the power. We had the money. They knew money didn't matter. What mattered was getting a drink, because a drink meant a good time. And they were in control of who got the drink first. So don't walk into a car dealership wanting a drink. Meaning, don't be only at the mercy of the car salespeople. That's how I walked in. I wanted the serious car, but I had nothing to offer. I wanted them to accommodate my needs, but I didn't have leverage. You need to keep some power, otherwise you will be chopped liver. That's what I was. The power can be your knowledge of the process so that their tactics don't work. For example, they wanted me to be flexible on my payment terms. I'm not that ignorant. Lowering my monthly payment by extending the term looks good on paper, but it keeps me locked in longer. And if I talk to any of my friends, I know they will tell me, don't negotiate on terms. 
I was solid on my terms, but I wasn't solid on my trade-in. And that's where I lost power. Instead of depending on the dealer to give me a good return for my trade-in, I can sell my car on my own and walk in with that cash. Now they have one thing less that they have control over. Ideally, you want to negotiate as little as possible. I negotiated on three things. Sales price of the car, payment terms, and the trade-in value for my current car. I had no leverage. But with cash in hand, and with a secured loan from my bank or a credit union, I would have had plenty of power in my court, and I could have really negotiated on the price of the car. Don't get me wrong. I researched all of it. I checked the value of my old car, I compared the sales prices of the serious car with other dealerships, and I also checked interest rates. But I didn't have anything in hand. I depended on them to make the offers. Before you negotiate, make sure you have leverage, something you can bring to the table. So you can reduce the items that you need to negotiate. The less there is to negotiate, the more the seller will be inclined to give you a discount on whatever is left to negotiate. Otherwise, he will only shift the discount between the different options. See, he wouldn't lower the sales price of the car for me, but he kept negotiating with me on payment terms and on trade and value of my car. Now, my friends, this is, as you know, not a podcast on business or consumer advice, but it is a podcast about being our best self. And sometimes life tests us to see how true we are to our values. As a consumer, I felt miserable during the entire time. When the sales manager told me that he won't pay me what he offered on my old car as soon as I walk out, I felt horrible, like I did something wrong, now or never. I felt like a child put into a corner, just because of a car. I mean, I know it's a serious car, but it's still just a car. It's a bunch of metal. Nobody should feel this way. And as a consumer, to a consumer, I tell you, walk out like I did. Don't ever buy anything from anyone who pressures you. And as a business person, a podcast host who offers a message to the world, I also tell you, treat everyone with respect and never put your product before the dignity of a human being. No material thing in this world should matter more than a car, a house or anything else. Treat people as human beings, just like you would a friend. That is when they will become your customers, not the other way around. Much love.